It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome today to today's show. Excuse me. What I'm going to talk about today is something that People will often ask me, and it's, how do you get over if someone has cheated on you? Whether it's the relationship you're in right now, or if it was a previous relationship, how do you move yourself past that? And, I mean, there are a number of different questions that I will ask people. And one of the first is, who was doing the cheating? Uh, Was it you or was it the partner? And when it's the other person, the one thing you have to also consider is whose definition of cheating are you using? Is it that you, um, you think if someone goes out for drinks with someone, that's cheating? Well, it could be depending on who you are. I mean, if you go by, you know, certain fanatically, you know, restrictive people, you know, having coffee with someone um, would be considered cheating. What is it? Mike Pence says he, uh, he won't even go for dinner with a woman who isn't his wife. Well, that certainly cuts down on, you know, the uh, possibility of doing anything for sure. But here's what I want people to look at. You know, the, the definitions of cheating are very broad and they're determined by the people who are in that relationship. They're not determined by someone else. That someone else can have their own definition. This is yours. So, you know, and I love when these people say, you know, certain things, you know, if you do things in Vegas, it stays in Vegas or stays wherever. No, it doesn't. Um, and, one of the ways that people will often find out that someone has been uh, physically adulterous is the person who is the you know standard partner ends up getting a, a sexually transmitted infection. And that happens all the time. So thinking, you know, no one's going to find out about what happened in wherever hmm, or while you're traveling or I've never done it before, let me assure you that the anyone saying to someone, I've never done this before, even though it may be God's honest truth, they don't believe you. 
particularly men won't believe you. <clears throat> so here, and, and one of the things that had me start thinking about cheating and what's the definition of it and how, how broad, you know, this subject is, is I was reading an article and the, um, the former king of Spain, Juan Carlos, he's been known for years, apparently, to fool around. Well, now there's a woman who has come forward and said and talked about the money that he was hiding, the trips that, I mean, how could he not think people were going to be knowing the things that he was doing? And yet, you know, he just merrily continues on. And she's just come forward and said, look, he bought, he took money from this. He bought property in Monaco in my name. He bought property here in my name. And if someone is going to be dishonest about things, you know what? They're going to be dishonest in just about every area of their life. And um, I sadly had that experience myself. And it was when it, it was kind of like when the light got clicked on in the room, <clears throat> there was dishonesty everywhere in business, within their own family, within the relationship with me, even to the point of taking things that were their children's, supposed to be given to their children, and they were making off with stuff, trying to convince you know, the, the family that they should be running the business because they had every intention of making off with the money with the person that they were fooling around with. <clears throat> it was actually quite legendary. But it had me realize that if you think you're going to change someone's behavior by you doing something, no, that's not going to happen. If someone has the attitude that they're entitled to cheat, you might, if this is something that is, does not work for you or you don't want to have an open relationship or you, that's not for you, don't do it. It will just make your heart so sad and it will erode your self-confidence and your self-esteem. Don't do that to yourself. So the other thing I ask people is, was in this cheating thing, how was it discovered? Did someone tell you? Did someone send you a photo? Did, and with social media, <clears throat> honest to goodness, everybody knows in moments, <clears throat> excuse me, what's going on. And anyone thinking that they can hide somewhere and people won't know they're there. Look, everyone has turned into sort of like their own type of investigative journalist, you know, taking photos, you know, with their phones. So if you're going to do anything, the last place you should be is somewhere in public. Um, hide out in a, you know, hotel room somewhere if that's what you wanted to do. But even then, the if someone has a high enough profile or is well known enough, everyone's going to see that person, you know, in whatever establishment it is with you. Now, Here's what I ask people when they say, you know, someone's been cheating on me. I ask, what was the actual action? So did they have sex with someone? Did they have dinner with them? Did they go on a weekend trip with them? What was the, what, how are you defining 
what happened. Or did someone discover that their partner has, you know, been absolutely enamored, hasn't done anything physically, but is emotionally much more attached to someone other than who they are in a relationship with. That is often a really tough one for many women. The emotional, when someone becomes emotionally connected, that's um, for many men, it apparently doesn't seem to be as much of an issue. But I know, you know, if couples are in a relationship, have they actually discussed what cheating is for them? Did they define it? Now, <clears throat> is it a pattern that this person does? Do they regularly um, fool around? I mean, I, if someone, I mean, here's the thing that I, I tell people. A leopard's spots are not going to change. The other thing, what happened in their own family? And I can tell you, it's almost like it's in the DNA to cheat. And if you look at Tiger Woods' father, when Tiger Woods was in um, at uh, Stanford, his father was fooling around on his mother, and he was absolutely devastated. And then look what happens with Tiger. And um, other men I know whose father, his father was a preacher, he's fooling around on his wife with his sister-in-law. And... It, it was something that this person, the son is the person I know, and he did the same thing to his fiance. He did the same thing to his wife. And although he said he wanted to change things, he really said, you know, I really want to make this marriage work. I asked him, what, who are you following? You know, what are you patterning? your behavior on? Is it what happened with your grandparents? Is it what happened with your parents? Because that was, it went back like that. And he said he didn't know, but honestly, it is almost like he was hardwired for it subconsciously. And he finally, his wife said, that's it. Now, was the discovery as a result of, you know, butt dialing and someone heard a conversation? I've heard of those on more than one occasion. Is it something that, you know, they sent a text to the wrong person? Oops. And that too has happened. <laughs> but if someone tells you that they saw something, your next step to be the responsible part in a relationship is to gracefully ask the person, did you do this? You know, were you at such and such? Were you here? And I know of a person who they had a, um, their husband was supposedly going on a business trip. But she also knew that um, she found out that the secretary had also called in sick. Meanwhile, they um, leave, fly out of town, and the person who witnessed them returning happened to be his father and saw them at the airport. So there was like no denying 
that this is what was going on. Anyway, you know, it was at that point, the relationship was over. Now, where do you go? And if this is an issue for you, is it something that someone cheated on you so you're hypersensitive? Now, we're coming down up to our first break. When I come back, I'm going to finish up on cheating, and then I'm going to start talking about the talk and how to talk to your children or your partner about sex, because that's the toughie for most people. Here come the tunes. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Padgett. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. cannot live by bread alone. He must have his peanut butter. Peanut butter is a pate of childhood, and it's not just for kids. His dogs love it, too. Last night, I gave my dog a pill hidden in peanut butter. What's a word for a messy concoction that helps the medicine go down? Sliver sauce. Mice apparently prefer peanut butter to cheese when it comes to luring them into the trap. But there are even more practical uses for peanut butter. Peanut butter contains natural oils, which makes it perfect for removing all kinds of sticky things, like gum stuck in your shoe or in your hair. What's a word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? Arachibutophobia. And according to Barry Goldwater, if you don't mind smelling like peanut butter for two or three days, peanut butter is a darn good shaving cream. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. <clears throat> I was just reading a, an interesting email from a friend of mine who's going to be doing a presentation in Fresno in September. And she was saying, you know, um, this is, you know, wanting to talk to these women and conversation about the most important things that she should address for them in the area of sexuality and relationships, which leads beautifully into my next segment on how do you have these conversations. And I will jump right into that as soon as I finish with the topics about cheating. Um, so here's the other thing. If someone has been cheated on, chances are they're going to be a little bit antsy about whether or not they can trust someone. And, you know, the, the thing that I tell people is, you know, pay attention to people's, you know, words, but you might do best to pay even more attention to their behavior because that's what will tell you what's going on. And there are times when, you know, you may think that something is happening 
and it isn't really. The person is just totally busy with something or they're stressed out about money or and you're thinking, well, why aren't they paying more attention to me or why aren't they calling? Well, it may be, let's say, you know, you just started dating. It may be they don't know whether or not to continue with something. Well, that's not cheating. You know, that's like getting to know one another and start something. Cheating typically, for most people, is when there has been some form of agreed upon commitment. And the other thing is, are you doing things where, despite not being honest with yourself, you might be doing something passively aggressively that is literally pushing that person away? You secretly may want it to end. So you're doing things that will have them not feel secure in the relationship, not feel confident about what's going on, and then the other person ends it, whether it's ending a marriage or whether it's ending, you know, a relationship. And I've seen that happen more times than I can tell you, mainly because more, I, I say this, but more relationships end because of silence than violence. When people don't talk, when they don't share, when they aren't hugging, when they aren't, you know, and notice I'm not saying people have to be having sex every single day. I would never say that. I would say whatever works for that couple. And if the intimacy is the thing of having someone be able to sleep, that's a powerful thing. If you've got a busy schedule and if you have, you know, little kids or you have something running around in your household, being able to sleep. If you can't sleep, sleep deprivation is like one of the worst tortures going, period. So the other thing I ask, where is this other person? Are they at work? Well, it makes sense that, that you know, things would start at work because more people spend time, that most, most people spend more time with people at work than they do with their partners or their spouses. And the main reason that cheating in affairs often occurs is because someone is giving someone attention. That's the magnet. So if you have the intention to maintain your relationship, make sure you give your partner attention. It is the magnet. The respect and attention, those are the magnets. Now, if it's someone who's in your social circle, that sadly also happens all the time because they're around them. How many times have we heard of someone taking up with someone else's husband, their best friend's husband, or wife, or sister-in-law, or brother-in-law? That happens regularly. So, you know, I know Wanda Sykes has this thing, girls, you know, women, don't leave your man alone with any of your sisters, and because they'll, you know, they'll basically F them. Don't do that. Just don't do it. Even your mom, don't do it. And I think that's funny because Wanda Sykes is gay. Um, so I don't know who wrote her material. <laughs> but in large part, depending on who you're around, that may be what people think. Hey, I'm, you know, particularly if someone has either a lot of money or a lot of status. There are, there's some pretty crazy stuff out there where People just think, it's okay, I can fool around as much as I want. Probably not as much as you'd really like to. I was just having a conversation with someone, and they said um, his wife had just had moved out of the apartment, 
that they were in. Um, and he said, you know, she moved out and told me, you know, she's tired of being around me acting like a 12 year old. Now, I don't know what 12 year old means for her, but the person who I was talking to said to him, uh, listen, man, you don't let that girl get out of your, don't, don't let her get out of your life. And because no one had said, no one had basically said to him, look, you know, you have got to grow up tall, good looking, big guy, you know, kind of like has the attitude he can do whatever he wants to do. Well, that's going to show up in divorce court. And he wasn't thinking that this was an issue. Well, apparently she does think it's an issue because she moved out of the apartment. Hmm. There we go. Um, and the other thing people have to be aware of that the social media checking up on the old flame, finding out whether or not they're, they've got a, an Instagram account or Facebook or whatever it might be. Those are two of the things, the, you know, getting all of the email records and all of these things. Um, they're some of the first things that are brought into divorce court. Those are the grounds. I know a woman who had, she was married to a dentist who had, um, th this was a second marriage for her. And he was carrying on on social media with a former classmate and his wife found it and she then confronted the other woman and said, you either stop emailing my husband or I'm sending your husband all of these emails. Well, that kind of put the end to that. But it was also that he didn't think he was thinking, oh, I can just, you know, flirt with my former classmate. Mm, probably not. And that was the beginning of the end of that relationship. Now, talking about what are the most important things to talk to someone when you're going into a new relationship or as you age or, you know, whatever, however you are looking at something. And I have a, a discussion I call, which most people do, the talk. And what I look at is we have to realize that the talk about sexuality and relationships occurs throughout our entire lives. It isn't something that is only, you know, the this age and you have to, um, you only learn about, you know, creating boundaries so that you can, you know, tell people you can't touch my body. You can only, and we've made kids absolutely paranoid about someone actually touching a shoulder or touching something. And I mean, I was reading this, it was a bulletin from um, a congregation and I'm looking at the back timetable and it says fingerprinting. And now they, you know, anyone who's doing anything within the school area, within elsewhere, they have to be fingerprinted. And I'm thinking just how, how outrageous has this become? I mean, we've already made it insanely illegal for men to touch. And, you know, there are definitely some men who never should have been touching. No question. But the, um, the real thing that I'm looking at is we need to have the, you know, the swinging of the pendulum that has gone so far to one side. 
we need to bring it back into the middle again to where it's, you know, the common sense, which isn't all that common as we know, but somehow, you know, we suspend the awareness that we have to have discussions and talks about sexuality and function and what you want, where you're going. Um, you have to be able to have those conversations throughout your life. And, you know, it's, it's an age progression. I mean, there's for babies, obviously, for children, for adolescents, for adults. And thinking that adults know everything just because they've gone through this, no, not at all. I mean, you ask anyone who has been out of the dating world for a while, and they will tell you it is a very different world. I have a know a woman who had uh, done a um, her husband died six years ago, and she, you know, went through. You know, she had two children. Um, they're now both young adults, but at the time, you know, they were teenagers, and it was, you know, a, a transition for her. But then when she started looking at, okay, I'm ready to, you know, move forward and, and do something with my life, she realized she needed a whole new set of information, how, you know, as I say, perfecting, you know, her, her picker so that she knew what she was looking for. And she was, you know, quite clear because sometimes people's pickers are broken. They just, they don't choose well. And one particular gentleman, she had great sex with this guy, but he had no ambition in his life. And that was important for her. And so, you know, here's the other thing that, you know, I know to be true is that just because you have great sex does not mean you're going to be having a great relationship. You may not. And if sex for both of you is one of the most important things, that's probably going to be a crucial foundation point. But it may be or it may not be. And, you know, everything that, you know, you with your personal satisfaction, you know, and what does loving and satisfaction and sexuality, how do those all march together for you? And when I, you know, when people say, how do I get, how do I get into this? How do I talk? And it's like, look, I mean, it's the same. Most people are not getting into a relationship that's going to continue online. They might have social media, but where the, where the rubber meets the road is when you're actually eye to eye with someone. Social media can have an introduction, but that doesn't mean you're going to, you know, it's going to be, you know, roses from there on. For many people, it isn't. So we're coming up to our next break here. I think we've got, Roy, there we go. We're coming up to our next tune. When I come back, I'm going to continue more on the talk. This is sex. 
Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. United States with quality programming. This is Toginet Radio. It's never Any emergency room nurse will tell you they receive some weird and wild calls. I used to be the night ER nurse at Hennepin County General Hospital in Minneapolis and remember getting a call from someone who was worried about if it mattered or not if their belly button was an any or an outie. It doesn't matter, but if you're an outie, you are definitely the minority. Still, that's good news because you don't have to worry about a little problem that people with innies have. Pledge it. That's another word for belly button lint. Researchers say the color of the pledget in your belly button is related to the clothing you wear, just like the lint that collects in your clothes dryer. A friend of mine from the Philippines says they call it a chikachu. What you call a person who's obsessed with their belly button? An omphalopsychite. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. So here, here's... In this segment, we're going to be talking about, I'm going to be talking about, um, choosing a new partner, um, having the conversation with your children about sexuality. It's going to be a range of things, but it's going to all be in the bubble of the talk that we have to have throughout our entire life. So, you know, and the talk is not just about sexuality. I mean, that is definitely one component part of it. And, you know, it's like, first things first, when you're having a a conversation with your children, you have got to name body parts as the body part that they are. Enough of this calling a vulva a hoo-hoo or a vajayjay. That's not what it is. It is a vulva. It is a penis. It's not, you know, my rod and staff. And what it, you Because here's what happens when you don't use the correct terms for something. 
You don't give it the respect that it deserves. And then that is the foundation for how the discussions go. So, I mean, I remember my mother, I was homesick from school, which happened maybe once every three years. And I was having some chicken noodle soup. And she decided, okay, now's the time to give my nine-year-old daughter a, a little, you know, a uh, book, I was in grade five, give me um, a book on um, sex and body parts. And, you know, it was pretty matter of fact. And mother said, you need to know these things. Now, she didn't, you know, she didn't sit there and read it with me. Um, I was a pretty voracious reader anyway. So I, um, and I, you know, was, I was rather um, mentally advanced. But I was, I was little. I mean, I didn't stop growing until I was 21. So I was, you know, one of the littlest. When we were in private school, my twin sister and I were two of the littlest girls in the class. And um, so it wasn't that I was developed. I, I wasn't. But anyways, I read this book, and it actually said this is what you call the male. <clears throat> now, I didn't have younger brothers. And... I, I had older brothers, but they were away at school. So I never really saw um, penises except for animal penises because we were, we, my family had a ranch. But what you need to do is you need to be comfortable talking about the body. That's one of the first things for anyone. And I have a friend of mine who's just one of my best friends. She's a physician, and she said, until talking with me, <clears throat> meeting me, she said she was never even comfortable saying the word penis. And I said, well, you've got to be kidding me. And she said, no. She said, even when, you know, she was a, an ER doc. And she said, even when I was doing patient intake, you know, she said, I was always super uncomfortable about asking questions about sexuality. And you know, the reason why doctors are not comfortable is because they don't get any training in this area for the majority of them. They just don't. And people will go to typically one of three places to get information. They will go to a physician who doesn't get much training. If, and, if it's, and if they do get training in four years of med school, it's often optional. Um, or they will go to a therapist. And many therapists don't get any training in sexual function, sexual pleasure, you know, relationship relative to this. And the other place is <clears throat> someone go to someone of faith again. They get great training in their religion or whatever it is, but they don't get trained in the area of sexuality. So <clears throat> when someone is asking an expert, these expert areas are often not trained. So, you, you, you know, the thing is, you need as a parent or as a partner, you need to, you know, be comfortable with, okay, let's say you're going back into the dating world. Um... If you are, you know, male, you know, do I, how do I discuss things about my, my preferences for, you know, oral? And, and here's the thing. Many times people have these conversations way too soon or they have sex way too soon. And that doesn't help anybody. As I said before, yes, you can get together with social media, you know, you and, you know, however many million or 
hundred thousand people you have on your you know accounts. But the real thing, when the rubber meets the road, is when you are in the proximity of that person. That's how relationships and sexual connections grow. They don't, you know, they don't come again out of just the media. Now, if you want to tell, let's say you are, uh, let's say you're 20 to 40, uh, you've had, you know, sexual experiences, you know the things that you like. So how do you introduce that? Well, what I suggest to people is you have a conversation where you are face to face. So you can watch someone's body reactions and you say, I really like, you know, I'm into some kink play. I, it really interests me. Um, I've been, you know, this is, this is a community that I identify with. You do not have to say, you know, you know, who you did things with. And, but the other thing is you have to let the person know the things that are enjoyable for you, because this may be an opening of an area for them that they never thought about, or it is something that the two of you can explore together. Um, going to, if you want to try kink stuff, you might suggest, why don't we go to a dungeon and we'll just be observers. We can just watch. We don't, you know, you don't have to do anything. And actually that's my understanding. Uh, for the majority of people I know who are in kink, that is the protocol. You don't jump in right away and try and act like you know what you're doing. That will not work. This is, you know, that community is very well versed in um, permission and discussion of what they want to experience, what they want to feel, what is important, you know, their safe word, whatever it may be. But Vanilla people could learn a lot from kink communities. They really could. Not kink.com. I wouldn't go there. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. But fetlife.com will, will be something uh, you could look at. <clears throat> when I also, when people are choosing someone, I ask them, are they themselves a happy person? Or are they, you know, a person who, you know, tends to be moody or get upset easily or are they, you know, depressed on a regular basis? This is no, that, that is not someone that's going to be fun to be around. You're going to limit your selection. And here's the other thing. When you're, you have part of your heart in every single cell in your body. And when, and if you want to change, you know, the chemistry of your body, watch something that makes you laugh. Every single cell in your body will be impacted by it. And to give you an idea of how this works in the world and in the dating world, just think of when you go into any environment and there's someone who's, there's a group somewhere and they're laughing and they're having fun. That's where everyone else wants to go, right? That's what's magnetic. So, when you have someone who has, who is happy, who has, you know, you know, the heartbeat is, is in every single one of their cells, that's someone that is going to be attractive. And what I will tell you is that people have told me 
their best lovers have not been the best looking. They have not had the best bodies. But what they have had is the best attitude. And they were really interested in them. They, these were not people who um, were impatient. They were not people who, this is only my way. They were someone who literally understood the dynamic of relating to people. And when you find that in a partner, hold on to it, whatever you do, because this is a rare thing. And, you know, I was having that conversation last night. And it was that, you know, one of the things that people really don't have an awareness of is how the rest of the world often sees them. And so we were talking about how would most people see me? How would most people see them? And sometimes there are things that people are like, wow, I never knew that. And yet there's also, and yes, I speak for a living, but I do tend to be, you know, I'm not the world's most social person at all. And to the contrary, I really enjoy my privacy. And you will find that often with many people who are, have to be out there, who are talking to people, who are presenting in their own personal world, they are very private. And that's just how I've always been. I don't think I have to let people know all these things about me. But, you know, when you're going back into a relationship or you're in a relationship now, this is literally about healing your sexual health and learning more about it, you, about being more. And when you have this talk, you want to talk so that you can become aware of what someone wants. You want to have the talk to find out, do you like this type of stroke? Do you like, you know, this type of oral sex? Do you like this type of play? Do you like, you know, what's your favorite position? What's your favorite time for sex? What are the things that you enjoy eating? I mean, sexuality is an appetite. So you have to address an appetite the same way you would ask someone. No one has a problem asking someone what they'd like off the menu in a restaurant, right? That's kind of like, fine, I'm going to pick this. Boom. This is a similar kind of conversation. Yet, you have to know the other things that are on the menu. Now, we're coming up to the last break. Any questions? Oops, here come the tunes, and I'll be back with more about having the talk. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. one-fourth of the world drives on the left-hand side of the road while the rest of us drive on the right. 
Most countries that drive on the left started as British colonies. Recently, I had to drive on the left in the Virgin Islands, and it made me feel a bit bum-squabbled and discombobulated, knowing that I could end up being the woe-be-gong that's the odd one out on the wrong side of the road. After gaining independence from England, America was anxious to cast off links with their British colonial past and gradually change to right-hand driving. The first laws requiring driving to keep right were passed in Pennsylvania in 1792. Those laws turned some drivers into shunpikers. Those are people who avoid main roads at all costs. In 1988, archaeologists found grooves in the road that indicated that the Romans drove their chariots on the left. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. article in Mental Floss magazine listed some actual town names in the United Kingdom that are sure to bring a chuckle to American tourists. Would you like to live in the village of Upton Snodsbury? It's near North Piddle. How about Pickle Church in lovely South Gloucestershire? Or Barton and the Beans in Curry Mallet? How about a vacation in Mudford Sock? Or Puddletown, an adorably named spot in Dorset? But my favorite town is found in Buckinghamshire. It's called Lover Houses. I'd like to send a big thank you to all of the brave men and women of our armed forces serving at home and abroad. We appreciate all the good you do in the world on behalf of America. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Word. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. And should you have any questions... You can always find me on you know, my website, loupadget.com, <clears throat> and hit the little you know, contact button, and um, I, I get the questions. I'm the only one who answers them. Um, going back to the talk, how do you go back in to relationship uh, when if you've had a surgery and you have a scar and you're embarrassed about it? Um, or if you have uh, an STI or you've had an STI, sexually transmitted infection, you have to be honest with the person because if you do not have an honest foundation in a relationship, the relationship will likely go off the rails. It may stay together for a period of time, but it will likely go off the rails. And, you know, if you are new to this and, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, my God, you know, these none of these women have pubic hair. Well, trending to that, yeah, absolutely. The thing I tell women is whatever you do, do not laser it off because that's permanent. So what if you've got someone who thinks that, you know, every woman should look like, you know, a child that may not be what another partner likes. It's up to you, but it's your body. And, you know, if you are into something, this is about have the conversation in the light of day, face to face, when you are vertical, standing up, having coffee, something, not when you're horizontal. That's not the time to discuss about um, safe sex 
or about the things you'd like to try at that moment. Get your, your brain's your largest sexual organ, most powerful, I should say. Skin's the largest. But get your brain engaged in what you'd like to try with your partner. That's the whole purpose of that discussion. And, you know, the things about, you know, people, kids now are, you know, being told that they are, someone might be pansexual or someone may be asexual, someone may be uh, gender fluid. They have many, many more definitions than most people who are, you know, over 40 had ever heard of before. But what it really boils down to is for most parents, when they're speaking with their children, what they have to have is an awareness that their children are being exposed to things at such a young age that the parents never got exposed to until they knew how to put boundaries in place. They knew how to say, oh, interesting. And, and these kids are being asked things that are, they didn't, they didn't have anything, they don't know how to necessarily put a boundary in place. And I'll use as an example, because um, what you're trying to do with the talk in any instance, whether it's a parent with a child, or you with your current partner, or you with a new partner, is to create comfort and confidence with any subject and to understand and these, the details of it so that you, you can talk about this without having the emotion be with it so that it's just a conversation. It isn't, you know, something big, you know, have the conversation for, you know, five minutes. But I'll use as an example, when we have um, best lessons or, you know, teachable moments, I was speaking with a friend of mine and her son at the time was 13. But he looked um, a lot older because he was very tall. And um, he also has a Latin background, so, you know, earlier, you know, growth of facial hair. Anyway, they were at a bank, not her regular bank, and he was there with her. Uh, and the teller proceeds to make the statement to him, you have the most beautiful skin. Well, I don't think this teller had any, she certainly didn't have, you know, any ill, Ill intent with this, but the reaction for my friend's son is that he was absolutely mortified. He was, he was, you know, just, it, it was almost like this woman had, well, she did, she made a comment about his body and he just couldn't, I, I mean, he, he became so uncomfortable and just, I mean, they got out of there and my friend didn't even know what to say. When she told me, I said, here's what you got to do. You have got to talk with him and tell him that this woman probably did not know, but that as his mother, you noticed how incredibly uncomfortable that made him. And that he needs to know that it is okay for him to say, hey, that's a personal statement. I'm not comfortable with it. That will then put him in the driver's seat of any conversation. So 
she did speak with him about it and said, look, I want you to be comfortable. And um, I asked her, I said, does he have a girlfriend? And she said, no, not at all. And I said, she said, and actually he has made a point of telling me that he um, doesn't like girls that do, they just, you know, it's just like, ugh. And I said, well, you know, one of the things that might be happening because he is really good looking and he is, you know, uh, the type of guy that, you know, these girls would all be interested in. I will bet you some of his, you know, his peers who are female have been hitting on him and he does not know how to put the boundary in place because what's happened now from a social cultural standpoint, the girls are much more sexually aggressive and much more, I'm going to go for what I want. They've been raised with that. And the boys who develop later from a maturational standpoint for, you know, through puberty, they don't have, they are still, they're kind of like, whoa, they're a little bit like, you know, deer in the headlights when this happens for them. And I said, you need to let him know that he can put the brakes on these things that will then give him more confidence. And I was coming back with, I was on a flight coming from London and I was seated beside a woman and she was coming over here for work. They were shooting a, a film and she was talking about um, her sons and she said, and I said, Oh, and I you know, found out that this is what I did. And she said, Oh, how interesting. And she said, well, my husband, um, when he was growing up, he really didn't like girls. And I related the story of my friend and her son. And she says, wow, that's almost exactly what happened to my husband. And what happened is he, over one summer, he grew up like, you know, like boom. And all of a sudden, when he came back to school, he was like the guy that the girls all were hitting on. And he literally was so freaked out by this and just, I mean, it was so uncomfortable and awful for him that he literally, you know, he became, you know, angry, belligerent, get away from me. And it took him a long time before he healed that because the only way he could stop these girls from coming on to him was to be angry. And, and I asked, I said, is your, was your husband really good looking? She goes, yeah. And I said, how about your sons? She said, same thing. Um, and I mentioned the comment about, you know, the, the, um, the teller making the comment about his skin. And she said, Oh my God, that's what happened. And I said, what her sons had gone to a hairdresser, her hairdresser. And the hairdresser had made the comment about, you know, you are such good looking boys. And this is like a young girl. You know, if a, if an older man is hitting on a young girl, that's the same thing. It doesn't feel good. And she said, I get it. She said, my son said they do not ever want to go back to my hairdresser. And I said, well, that's probably why. So, you know, the, the parents need to talk and get the kids comfortable. If someone has had an illness or an injury, and I remember one gentleman saying, I wish I'd known about dealing with erectile dysfunction, you know, five years ago. He said, I was so busy taking care of my wife. His wife was dying of cancer. 
he said, I don't know what to do now. I mean, there were a couple of options that I could give him, but he really was in kind of a, you know, not a great place. Now, if one is looking for love, if one is looking for a partner, make yourself lovable first. Don't try and make someone else fill a hole in your life. That's not their job. Their job is to be them. And don't think that you're going to get somebody and then change them. That also is a no-win situation. It never has worked. Well, it'll work maybe for a period of time, but eventually the person who is the real person will come to the surface. So when we talk, when I talk about the talk and healing you know, your sexual health, we're in a tumultuous time. Women have a lot more power, a lot more money. They don't have to listen to things the way that they, a lot of the old paradigms and the old modalities no longer work. They're broken and with good reason they're broken. But it has to be that when you are having a talk with someone about where you want to go in your relationship, in your sexuality, in your sexual expression, you have to use what is current. Don't think that the things that applied five years ago or 10 years ago are the same. They're not. They really are not. So hopefully this discussion about the talk has been of some help for you and discussion about cheating. Because if you're having the talk with someone, you have to find out what they think means a relationship or what they think means cheating or what they think means, you know, we're moving forward into something. Many times people don't have this. They just assume that they know and they don't. So when we're going to be coming up here to the end of the show, um, any questions, again, office at Lou Paget, or you can go to loupadget.com and enter something in, and away we go. We're coming down to our final seconds here. Have an awesome week, and whatever it is you're doing, be nice to yourself and do something joyful. It will make every cell in your body happy. you for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 